0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and I can't believe the Athletes Unlimited season has come to an end. And with that... Elite softball has come to an end in 2021, and we had a phenomenal college season, a triumphant return to the Olympics, and really a whole lot of excitement with pro softball. It's crazy to think that that is now winding down. But as AU season two winds down, so is the second season of Believe in Softball. The season finale is coming soon as we take a break before 2022. But don't worry, we're not done yet. Some reminders for ways to keep up with the show, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball, that's B-L-E-A-V, subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube, and actually watch the episodes as well. All right, let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases, share some news and updates with you as usual, then we'll head into today's interview, which is a continuation of my conversation with one of the best to do it, three-time Team USA Olympian, Stacey Newman, who I think you could tell from part one, is also a great storyteller. Because in part one, you heard us cover all kinds of stuff. Athletes Unlimited, the evolution of the game from era to era, her alma mater, UCLA softballs, unmatched history, and even some great Sue Inquist and Lisa Fernandez stories. Learning and teaching life skills through softball, her reaction to the Tokyo Olympics and Beijing 2008, how to deal with the outcomes, the come down after the Olympics and how real that is, transitioning into life after playing, career aspirations, and more. It just, it really went on and on. So in part two today, we'll keep that conversation going, digging deeper into all of her experience at the top of our game, coaching at San Diego State, and becoming the new head coach, and more. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's dive in. Covering our bases. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games – don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. And before we get into Athletes Unlimited, because we have to, I do want to have a couple call outs for some cool things that are going on in the media, specifically strong women. First, Jessica Mendoza made history this week with Melanie Newman as the first ESPN all-female broadcast for an MLB game. And it was the Padres at the Dodgers this week. Then, in addition to that, so first of all, that's cool news. And, of course, shout-out to Stanford. Got to give the shout-out to my alma mater and my hometown, Camarillo, with Jessica Mendoza. A lot of representation there. But also, one of my colleagues at Pac-12 Networks, who I had the pleasure of meeting and working with for the first time this past spring on some softball games, she covers a lot of sports, and she – was just named as the first full-time female broadcaster of any major sport in Philadelphia TV history. Kate Scott is now the play-by-play for the 76ers. I'm just really excited about both of these things. You know, I've said it before, but the more firsts that we check off the list like this, the better, because we want less firsts. We want it to be the norm. That's the point. And these are two women who continue to break the glass ceiling. And when I see them work day in and day out. It's like they break one part of the glass ceiling and then they go find another part to break and just work on that one, right? And it's just, you love to see it. It's definitely inspirational and and great energy and the kind of energy that we need and like. And the other energy that we need and like is Athletes Unlimited, right? I mean, week one through four was awesome softball. Week five did not disappoint either. I mean, Amanda freaking Lorenz, right? Like just what a tough out. I can't even remember how many times I saw her leave the yard, but also just good gap to gap hitting as well. Like she's got a ton of power, but she's just so poised in the box. Love watching her hit. And then you look at people like Alicia Ocasio and Gwen Speckis, just what a battery they made this year. And I have to give a lot of credit to Gwen for being able to build rapport like that with more than one pitcher in this way. You know, last year it was Cat. They were brand new friends that met in Athletes Unlimited Now this year it was Alicia Ocasio and they've actually known each other for a long time. They go back to travel ball when they were friends. Right. But, but being able to build that with your pitcher is a skill in itself. And I think it says a lot about her as a catcher and as a person. So I I had to call that out specifically for the whole season, but really week five, you could, you could see it all come together. Similar to last year's week five with, with Kat. But at the end of it all, the champions were finally named Alicia Ocasio at the top. No surprise there whatsoever. The second place was Amanda Chittister followed by Kelsey Stewart, Carrie Eberly, who also actually got the rookie of the year honors. So not only did she sneak into the top four there with a medal, but she also got a second medal for rookie of the year, which was pretty awesome. And then the Geico defensive player of the year, friend of the show, Anissa Urtez. To me, that was honestly a no-brainer. She just had way too many game-shifting plays at shortstop this season for it to be anyone else. It was just always going to be her. I have to say I called it on Twitter too. You can even check. She retweeted it. (laughs) But in addition to that, you guys know how I love defense, and I was excited to find out who was going to be on that all-defensive team, first one ever in Athletes Unlimited Softball, right? I have to say, I think it would be very similar to just my, if I named an overall All Athletes Unlimited softball team, the defensive team is similar to what I would have named overall. So pitching was Alicia Ocasio, not a surprise. We've talked many times about her ability to be that fifth infielder. Gwen Speckis, behind the plate, again, talked about that many times. Middle infield, Anissa Ortez. you kind of have to be on the all-defensive team to be the defensive player of the year. So that's pretty obvious. Allie Aguilar also, a lot of great stuff in the middle. Hannah Flippin is the utility that felt very right to me considering how many positions she can play. Up the middle on both sides, third base she even did, which she wasn't as familiar with this year, but she made it look so easy. So thought that that made tons of sense and would have been almost a miss, really, if that wouldn't have been what the players voted for for these. Then in the corner infield, really, I had this same thoughts myself, as clearly as what the players did, because it was Torrey Vidalis and Amanda Chidester. Even though they both play first base, they were the two corner infielders that really stood out the most to folks. And I I think that's true. There was a lot of action over there and they looked really good. And then the outfield, also not a surprise, really. Aaliyah Andrews, Haley McClenny, and Amanda Lorenz. All of these players had such a solid performance this year defensively, that it makes sense to me that they're here. But offensively, they really brought it as well. That's why I'm saying if I named an all AU team, it would look very similar to this. I think, in terms of pitchers, the people I'd need to call out in addition to Alicia Ocasio is obviously Carrie Eberly. You can't deny she's a rookie. She makes it in third place and gets rookie of the year. Like, that's obvious. Kat Osterman, also obvious. Like, she led the league in certain stat categories, despite it not being her repeat year of champion. She still had great performance overall. And I have to say, if there were a most improved award, I think it goes to Taylor McQuillan. She just was night and day from last year to this year in terms of her presence, confidence. And I don't just mean confidence in the way she carries herself, although that was evident, but also just confidence in the pitch calling and the way that she actually went after hitters. And then in terms of rookies, I think Odyssey Alexander and Alyssa Denham were very impressive as well and had some great shining moments. Behind the plate, in addition to Gwen, who I would call out is defensively Aubrey Monroe, and they talk about it all the time, that she's really one of the best defensive catchers in the world. And I think she showed a lot of knowledge and just wisdom as a catcher behind the plate. Her mic'd up segments, when she was actually literally calling a game at the same time as she was speaking to Eric Collins and Daniel Laurie in the booth, were some of the best segments I thought there were. I mean, she was literally catching a pitcher for the first time ever, getting to know them, calling a game, talking to them, thinking about what what approach to have and how she can actually learn and communicate better with this pitcher. Just so many layers to this. Really impressed by that. Like I thought defensively, I was impressed by that. She also mowed a few runners down, which, hey, that's always a good thing. In terms of a rookie, I think Deja Malipola gets a lot of credit from me as well. I mean, she was a part of that no hitter, that history making no hitter that Cat threw. Had great just rapport and camaraderie with Cat in general, but also did pretty could swing it. I'll, you know, like I think she just gets some credit there. In terms of middle infield, I said this last week, but there were just so many freaking people that you could have chosen for this section. In addition to Urtez and Aguilar, I would say you can't sleep on Kaylee Clifton. Man, she is really solid in the middle infield, and she she has timely hitting like she can be pretty clutch and I I don't know if we talk about that enough to be honest so I would I would call her out and then in terms of rookies I would call out Bates. now I don't know if she got as much action so so that we could see the human highlight reel that she's been necessarily in college as as much as in college as she did in AU however I just think the potential was there I thought her hitting was solid as well that's got to be a call out for me too The other utility in addition to flip in would be Kelsey Stewart. So she was actually listed as a corner infielder in terms of for the draft. Like, how are you designated? She was a corner infielder. She played third base for Team USA, but she played a lot of second base at Florida. And she ended up doing that in Athletes Unlimited as well. And she even said, like, in her mic'd up segments, really, that's like, that's her love. That's her home, it feels like, over at second base. And I thought she did a great job. And really, when we talk about performance being incredibly... Improved from one season to another. I mean, offensively, Kelsey Stewart was able to sneak in there and get third place. I think I might've said on accident that Carrie Eberly got third earlier, but really she was in fourth place, still rookie of the year, but Kelsey even leapfrogged her and Savannah Jaquish to get that third place spot. That's pretty impressive. And I feel like she kind of silently did that throughout the year, like built up and built up points to reach that point. So had to give her the call out. And then when it comes to Corner infielders, like I said, we got first base covered with Tori Vidalis and Amanda Choster. But I got to give credit to Amanda Sanchez, man. I I know I said this before, too, but she was solid. You know, she she had a pretty good stick this season, and I, I was impressed by it. I think she had some impact at key moments for her team's. And then defensively, especially, Riley Sarton-Vaughn, like some of the most fun plays that we've seen over at their base. Some plays that we're used to seeing, like Jesse Warren in her highlights from college, right? And we got to see Riley Sarton do similar diving plays and just the hot corner was definitely the right description in her case. So I just had to call that out. And then with the outfield, Lorenz, McClenney, and Andrews are unbelievably solid. Like what an ideal outfield to have. I have to call out Megan Wiggins as well. I think she plays the ball off the wall really well. Her and Hayley McClendon, both actually, they're very quick to get rid of it. They hit their cuts. They have good range. It's that veteran mentality and that experience that you can just tell that they carry with them when they're on the field. So I had to give her that shout out too. But then when you take a look just overall from season one to season two of Athletes Unlimited, I think we've said before, like you can't argue that pitching was better. It just was overall, last year it was so offense-dominated. It was entertaining to see all the balls leave the yard, but at the same time, like, we want a little more competition here, right? We got that this year. With that, I think the defense also stood out more. Good defense is not new to AU by any means, but it got more spotlight, and I think that might have to do with the fact that there was better pitching. These pitchers were able to let their defense work a little bit more too, so we saw more stuff in the infield, on the ground, et cetera. Some more drop ball pitchers too. When you add Carrie Ev- Eberle into the mix, and you know you still got like Cat, you still got Alicia Ocasio. It just turned out that way, and it, it was fun, fun to watch. It really was. I think the other thing is rookies brought a new energy. Like I already feel like Athletes Unlimited, and a lot of people who have played it said the same thing. It's really got that energy of college softball, like just that fun, fun loving enjoying the game mentality but on top of that you also have that high level of play so these rookies coming out of college they they were the best in college right like they were at the top of their game that's why they were drafted that's why they were here they bring that energy with them as well and also you know maybe some some challenge for some of these like veterans that have been playing pro ball for a while I just I liked that new element that was added this year And then, of course, the fans. I mean, you go from being in the Shield last year. I really appreciated and could sense the closeness within the group of athletes last year because they were all quarantined together. You know, they're in the Shield. They couldn't really do anything else. They had to spend a lot of time together, and they got to know each other as people a lot off the field and had a lot of great events. I thought that was fantastic. But this year, being able to have fans and have that real-life competition feel have their family there, have their friends there, things that a lot of these Olympians didn't get to do. I think that's huge, and that brings energy as well to the game. I thought they did a great job of having high level of competition last year, but there's just nothing like fans. It just that's just how it is. So all of those things felt like the big factors in how this league evolved from last year to this year. But it all came down to Alicia Ocasio at the end. She is the 2021 athletes unlimited champion. And I think this just represents several things. First, versatility. She's that two-way player. And I love that Athletes Unlimited rewards that, meaning you're able to get those points. As a pitcher, as a hitter, it helps her. And I think she only got better in terms of that captain mentality and how to draft and be strategic. She said it herself in the post-game interview. Like She did more research and more scouting to understand like, how to put the teams together, how to attack hitters, how to attack pitches against pitchers when she's in the box, right? Like all of these things added up to this. And she was great last year. I knew she was going to be in the top four this year. I think if she was going to continue the trajectory she was on, it made sense. But she went all the way to the top, and I love it. Also, something that's very important to her is representation. She talked about this in her speech when she accepted the Top Spot Award. She's a Puerto Rican and Black female. She's part of the LGBTQ+ plus community and she's not 6 feet tall like some of these other pitchers, right? Like Cat and Monica and all the cats and monicas of the world. Like she represents so many different types of women. And I think Athletes Unlimited does overall. There's all types of women from all types of backgrounds, all types of body types, everything in one place and she really represented that as the champion. And then one thing, you know what? This, this kind of was like that reality check for me when I, when I saw this. She was cut from the SA Pride, the independent pro team, at 1.30 p.m. on Monday, on Championship Monday. And then 10 hours later, she wins Athletes Unlimited. To me, this is just a perfect example of, guys, everything happens for a reason, and sometimes it's, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. Life doesn't always make sense. It especially doesn't make sense. It's like even more questionable when you realize that we already knew the day before that, that she was going to win AU. Like the way the leaderboard was, the points were, she was there. So you have to wonder, like, it's just, it's a head scratcher. Like nobody understands it. I love that she made that public though. Like she tweeted it herself, like that that's what happened. I think that that's relatable. I think it shows people how actually special AU is in a way too, because look at the platform that she has to still play, even if other opportunities are no longer there. And I just think it's pretty badass, to be honest with you. <laughs> like what a like prove the haters wrong, right? Like situation. It's just, it's it's awesome. And also just like digging more into the keep playing part. Kat challenged everybody last year in, in her speech after, winning Athletes Unlimited to keep playing. It doesn't have to stop after college. I think she's a great example of this. Ocasio is because imagine if she would have. And she did stop playing for a little while and then she came back, right? But it's like, imagine if we didn't get to see this Alicia Ocasio because she did not keep playing and there wasn't an opportunity like this in pro softball with this kind of visibility, the visibility that AU has, the TV, etc. cetera. It, it'd be a different landscape of softball right? She kept playing on the Puerto Rican national team too. Like it would be different if her and people like her didn't continue to play. So I think her winning really brought all of that together. But of course, with her winning, that also coincided with Kat Osterman officially retiring again, right? Like it's not the first time she's done it, but it seems like it's for real this time. And in terms of this season, in athletes unlimited, she led the league in ERA. She threw the first no-hitter in history. And she was only a few points away from breaking into the top four, by the way. Carrie Eberly, I think, only six points ahead of Kat. So even though Kat didn't have the exact same year she had last year, she was still pretty close <laughs> to breaking in to the top four. But if you just, if we take a step back and look at what she's done, her resume just speaks for itself. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's sometimes you forget because we're so used to hearing it. But three-time National Collegiate Player of the Year in college. Okay. Three-time Olympian with Team USA. One gold medal, two silver medals. Athletes Unlimited Champion. Multiple accolades that you could list in her NPF pro career as well. Like, the list just goes on and on. Texas Hall of Famer, like, everything. She truly is one of the goats. Like, she is. And when she came on the show, I last year, I had the pleasure of being able to talk to her literally the morning after she won athletes unlimited last season, such a weird time in the world in the middle of the pandemic before vaccines. It was, it was crazy. And I remember talking to her about a bunch of different things because she has so many dimensions to her. Also, it's like, we talked about the pitches she has and how she has really a drop, a rise and a curve. Like those are really her three pitches. You don't need the seven or eight pitches that a lot of people think you need. She's like, yeah, maybe throw in kind of a fourth with my off-speed curve, right? But keeping it simple and just freaking dominating that simplicity, she was like the epitome of that. We also talked about her stepdaughter and it was really cool to see her and Kat's husband, Bracken and Joey, both there cheering her on. Again, that was something you didn't get to have in Tokyo. She talked about what it's like being a stepmom. And to me, you know, my mom's a stepmom to my brother. I have a half brother who's older than me. She's been his stepmom since he was six years old. I've always had a, a wonderful example of what that looks like. And I appreciated hearing her perspective on how she stepped into that role. And then also, you know, she's a huge fan of Wonder Woman. She has all kinds of paraphernalia, like all the merch, all the things, which feels right. I feel like she's the Wonder Woman of softball. So there you go. The fact that she has The Undertaker's entrance music, if anyone knows WWE, that that is epic. And the fact that she knows him in real life, and that's kind of where it came from, also epic. She did not pick the number 38 because she's 38 years old. She picked the number 38 because she's always been number eight until Haley McClenney already had that number on Team USA when Kat came out of retirement. And this was her third Olympics. I think her mom helped her pick this, if I remember right. So you put that together, third Olympics, number eight, 38. But I still think, I know this wasn't her intention, and who knew that everything was going to get delayed a year. The fact that she ended up being number 38 when she was 38 at the Olympics, at AU, when she retired, pretty poetic. She just went out on such a poetic note. That last game, she gets the start. She got the win. She almost threw another no-hitter. Just the one hit she gave up, Right. The last out she made was striking out Hannah Flippin, and it was Flippin's only strikeout on the year. I don't know if Hannah like, loves that everyone keeps saying this, but, but it just shows who Kat is and the type of competitor she is. And I have to give credit to Amanda Chidester, too, for handling this really well. You know, she essentially threw the whole game, Kat did, and then they took her out after two outs in that last inning to give her that moment to wave goodbye to the fans, to her teammates, to the sport as a player. And it was just really well done and thoughtful by Chitty, I thought. Especially, like, this is an athlete-run organization, right? So I loved that they were looking out for each other. And then that moment, she actually left her cleats in the circle with Randy Rupp, who also announced her retirement, who she coached at Texas State when she retired from playing before and then ended up playing with in AU after she came back out of retirement, right? Like, She got to coach her in college and then play with her in pro, and then they get to retire together. It's just, it's completely full circle, and it really doesn't get more poetic than that. And it's just so representative of the layered impact that she's had on the game. Now, would it have been awesome if she repeated as champion? Sure. Of course. But the way that the torch was passed to Alicia Ocasio was special. You know, they were both the starting pitchers in that last game, going head-to-head against each other, the last game of season two, and it created a lot of excitement for what's coming next for the league and for the sport. And let's not forget, Kat really helped legitimize Athletes Unlimited on the field. Having a big household name veteran like her, 1,000% got fans, media, other players, everybody to buy into this new concept. She didn't do it alone. But she was a huge part of it. And, you know, what I want to say to Kat is just thank you, Kat, for your generosity to this game and the people in it. If you're the GOAT, you're Wonder Woman, you're a legend, and legends never die. And one of her old teammates and another legend is also today's guest. So let's head into the interview. It's relatable, you know, and it's like, it's one of those things where there might be people listening right now who are like, wait, you mean Stacy had trouble in college, she was one of the greatest college players of all time. What do you mean? Like there were struggles. Right. And it's like, yes, like this, we're all human. Like we all have these things that we go through.
0: Yep. And, the, and the, as they say, you know, the, the struggle is what makes the, the victory that much sweeter, you know, is when you get yes. to that place where, you know, and, and again, kind of segueing it's like, you know, I sit here now, you know, as a first time head coach and, you know, did I think I'd be 43 years old as a first time head coach? no, you know, no, I didn't think that. But here we are, you know, and, and my journey, I, I wouldn't change it, you know? And it was, it had some moments where I was like, is this is, what, is this what I should be doing? Is this where I should be having opportunities to coach? You know, I had some head coaching opportunities come my way over the years and some really good ones. But, you know, in my case, my family, this is where I, I want to be. So I had to, you know, I had to, I had to wait, yeah. I, had to, I had to be patient. And patience is not one of my virtues. <laughs> So that was a, uh, that was a tough one, you know, um, but again, now that I'm here, now that I'm sitting in this, in this, you know, as they say, you're from an assistant to a head coach, it's like a 16 inch move. Cause really you're just moving next door, but um, it's, a, it's so much, it's right. so worth it. And I, I feel like things are coming together in a really special way. Um, you know, I thought I was ready to be a head coach in 2008. So, you know, 13 years ago, I was ready. Let's go, let's go, let's do this. And I just think about all of the all of that time and all of the, the knowledge and experience and perspective I have gained over that time. I'm, I mean, I, I think about myself in 2008, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'd have been a disaster. So, you know, I, I'm extremely, you know, blessed to have this opportunity, uh, you know, in, in, in due time and, uh, and here I am. So it's, it's been awesome.
1: You know, I have to say on a personal level, I actually really like the San Diego State program. Actually, I don't think I mentioned this to you before. I went on a couple unofficial visits there. Uh, and this was okay. when Van Wyk was there, obviously, because she was there forever, right? So it's like, yes, I was being recruited by Stanford and some others, including San Diego State. And love the campus, love the area. Totally get it. I told Victoria too. I was like, I mean, you're going to be in San Diego with Stacey Newman. I feel like that's yeah. a good career move, <laughs> right? Like, you can't really go wrong with that. Yeah, I've heard you say that you truly do feel like an Aztec for life. And to me, like, there's a lot of weight behind those words because you come from a program like UCLA, that USA bond that we were talking about too. Like, you're you're a USA player and a UCLA alum for life as well. And now you put San Diego State in that bucket too. How, you know, do you go about this? Like, what does it take to find another program like that that feels like home?
0: Yeah. Well, so in my case, you know, I took – Okay, and this is another little parallel between Vic and I. That's that's just really wild. So, I accepted the job from Kathy Van Wyck. I accepted the assistant coaching position from my dorm room in Beijing. Yeah. Essentially, Vic did the same thing from her dorm room <laughs> in Tokyo, which is like 13 years. Just like the 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 parallel of that is like you can't write that script, right? That's, that's awesome. Crazy. Yeah. Um, San Diego State, like it's not you know it's it's not like this you know, UCLA or something. But, um, so for me, you know, when I came to San Diego state, uh, my husband is an attorney, so I'm not the typical like situation where the coach job is like, you know, the high paying job. And, 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 you know, the family kind of moves around for the coach. It's like kind of the opposite, right? So he moved Mm -hmm. to San Diego. We moved here. He, he started working for the city. He was a city attorney for a while. And then he opened up his own private practice and it's, Creates a challenge. It's great because he has a successful business. You know, from a from a standpoint, we're landing, we're raising our family in San Diego, which I would totally agree with the moniker of America's finest city. Like we really are. We're we're America's finest city, and I will go to toe to toe with anybody who's going to argue otherwise. Um, so this is where we are, and you know, you don't just move a law practice, right? It's not like you're, you know, it's not a mobile job. You have a clientele. You have a you have marketing. You have a you have all these things that you can't just. Oh, yeah, we're going to go take this somewhere else. So that's a unique situation. Now, with that being said, I truly have seen and I've watched the department as a whole kind of raise the bar and raise the standards as well. Like, you know, the softball program for sure, but also the whole global unit is, is, go, is doing good things. I mean, you look at our, our basketball programs, you look at our football program, you look at our baseball program. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting a brand new football stadium. You know, we're a lot of good things are happening in the community and San Diego state has, has really capitalized on that. So I feel like not only from a personal level, like take away, take away the softball side of it. Just my, my personal life is fantastic. I I, I couldn't be happier where, where we are and where we're raising our family. On a competitive um, athletic side, I really do believe San Diego state has the opportunity to be a national, a nationally relevant power five level. Program in the, softball, in the softball world. I think with, with being where we're located, you know, I mean, again, I'll, I'll, San Diego is going to win that battle every time from, from a location standpoint. Academically, the academics of San Diego State have continued to raise the bar. So it's not, you know, it, it still has a little bit of that reputation that kind of precedes it in terms of like the party school. But if you really look at the numbers, it's not like it's really not that way anymore. I mean, the university has made, you know, major efforts to change that, to change that perception. You know, competitively, we're in Southern California. So the talent pool is just vast and deep and wide and all of that. Add in the transfer portal. You get athletes going away, Mm -hmm. bouncing back, wanting to come back to California. I mean, to me, when I look at like a Cal State, Fuller State, Long Beach State, that's how they've made their money for a lot of years. If they've gotten really high quality transfers. Well, that's kind of where we are. Like when you look at our roster, half our team is transfers, close to. And you know the nature of the transfer portal is kind of changing right now because I think everybody is diving in. Where maybe a couple of years ago it was we had a, we had less competition, <laughs> frankly, for some of those athletes. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm so I feel like all the stars are aligning. You know I, I feel good about again the program where we're headed, the athletes that we have now, who we have coming in. Obviously with with our coaching staff, you mean Mia Longfellow, Mia Ferguson. Has been an assistant coach with me here for 12 out of my 13 years. We have a great yin and yang, you know. We complement each other extremely well. And then you bring in, you know, Vic as that third piece. You know, it's it's a slam dunk. So, I think the three of us together, with what the university offers, with what um, where we are, and all those things, um, our skill set as coaches, our knowledge, experience. I mean, I I I, I know I'm biased, of course, but um, I mean, I. the the, the trajectory is just it's just going to keep going and and obviously we got to put it together right we got to we got to prove it on the field but all the pieces are lining up and and um, I I couldn't be more excited
1: I'm super excited about it I can't wait to see you guys in 2022 and one trend that seems to be growing in college softball is more and more female head coaches this is not new at San Diego State Van Wyke was there I mean she's she is San Diego State softball in a lot of ways right and then, of course, you have Sue Inquist and, right. and the yeah. long line of f- strong females from UCLA. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the male allies and strong presence that we have in the softball community. You think of people like Mike Candrea. It's like, love that we have that. But I think it's also really cool that female head coaches right. are, are becoming more and more popular, just in the sense that it's like, you, you, di- you walked this path you know, and, and your players can relate to you on a level that is just unreal. It's like, you can't really replace it, you know?
0: Right. I, I do think um, it's so interesting because I've always been surprised when this kind of topic comes up and you talk to pl- young players, still, many of them would say they prefer a male head coach or they're comfortable, not that they prefer, okay, scratch that they are comfortable because that's what they've known right when you go out to a travel ball tournament there are you're you're seeing a few more females pop in but it's still very male dominated so as a young female that's what you're comfortable because that's what you know right so i get really excited to be honest when i see young travel ball right whether it's a mom or a former player that's getting into the you know now would i want to do that no i would not (laughs) But grind. I respect those that do because yeah, it's a grind. Oh my gosh! I mean, if we think the college games a grind, they are really grinding. Um, but I I love that because that's that's how when you see it done, um, it's it's a role model. It's like anything, right? Like I grew up. Who are my 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 uh, my idols in sports were Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and like I I looked up to men because that's what I saw. Now it's kind of the same thing. If I've been coached by females and had positive experiences, then I'm maybe more open to that and, and not, you know, feeling like oh I'd be more comfortable playing for for a male. Um, but I, I of course I'm right. I'm a I'm a feminist. I don't I don't hide it. I don't I'm not I'm not embarrassed to say it. Um, I love seeing women leading other women. I think that's that's huge. And I think it would be you know you see some of these trends happening in like the NBA and some of these women coming into the male side. To me, that's when we will have arrived when that becomes, um, when that becomes more common, um, you know, a yes. couple of years ago, I had a conversation. So Mark Martinez is the head baseball coach at San Diego State. He coached with Tony Gwen for many years and he's been here as long as I've been here. And he's a good friend. And he told me, he goes, on the honest days, like I wouldn't say this to many people, but I would hire you. Like if I had a, if I had to know my staff and you weren't lining up to take over for Kathy when she retires, he's like, I'd hire you. Like I would, I would totally do that. And Now, whether he's humoring me and just being kind, I don't really know, but if that sort of thing started to happen, if you saw females coaching hitters on a baseball team, because it's, it's, it's coming the other way, like mad dog, right? Like just constant guys, men, let's start going the other way, start hiring females to coach men. I feel like that, that signal, and it's, again, we're seeing it here and there, just little, little examples of it, but. If that starts happening more consistently, I think we really will have, have turned a corner.
1: I completely agree. Even with, like you're saying, that like even um, at the level of like NFL referees, there's been some women who are starting to do that, assistant coaches in the NFL. Um, but yes, I think with baseball in particular, I think like, yes, the Giants, they ha- they hired like one of the first ever full-time mm-hmm women on the coaching staff, right? Like, I completely agree with you. I think that's why what Jessica Mendoza has done in the booth, for example, with the MLB is so huge. It's like, for that reason, when that is the norm, to your point, when it's like, when we stop being like, yay, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. When it's just the norm, that's, that's it. That's when we can feel like, all right, we did it.
0: I, I don't know about you, but like, when I turn on college, college football on Saturday, and I hear Beth Mullins I like, it just fires me up on a deep, deep level because first of all, I love Beth Bowens and I know every softball player, it's like the voice of softball, right? Like we just, it's just, you go to softball. But I have to say to your point, I don't even, it doesn't jump out at me as as much as it once did. When I hear her voice, I used to like screenshot it and like record the TV and like, oh my God, it's Beth doing a college football game. And now I'm like, oh yeah, Beth's doing, she's doing an NFL game. She's doing not just college. She's doing an NFL game. Like, cool. Like, here we go. This is. So again, when that becomes not notable, and it just is a, it's not a thing anymore. That, that's again, that's, that's a corner that we, we're not there yet, but we're, we're on our way. Mm -hmm.
1: I completely agree. I completely agree. And to your point, it's like, there are so many things that are changing in the meantime. So when you look at like 2022, for example, the conference conference, like announcements of all the movement the world series is expanding there's name image likeness now like your head's just spinning right (laughs) with like all the things that are coming and change and growth is is good but so many things at once is a lot to handle when you think about leading through change like as a coach someone in this position a woman leading women how do you do that how do you lead through change
0: yeah well i'll tell you right now uh I mean, I'm living a case study, right? So I'm living through a, a a transition of of leadership. And um, you know, I get asked a lot by various people, people in the you know the athletic department, friends, family, you know, fans, what are you gonna change? Like how are you gonna do it differently? And you know, what's what's the what's the and I've I've found it to be it's very I, I first of all I love it. I mean, this is I feel like this is my wheelhouse. Like I, I know the game on a technical level, but I'm not like a technician of the game. You know, some people are just like the science mm. and the, you know, Dana Sorensen, you know Dana Sorensen, right? So so I talked to her yes. about pitching and she's like, I'm, I'm here and her knowledge is like through the roof, right? She's a technician. She's a scientist, like truly. <laughs> I am not, I, I am yeah. trying to learn and get better, but that's not, I am. I'm a people person. I'm more of the motivational side. I'm the, to me, the culture mm-hmm. is the, is the most fun part of all this. So as I approach this, you know, this transition coming from inside has some great benefits because you have some institutional knowledge, you have relationships with at least half the team, right? These are returners that know you and, and can trust you on a certain level, but it's also, you know, the trade-off is that you you know, I will always maintain great respect and um admiration for Coach Van Wyck and what she built and, and and her program and her style and all that. So it's like I you have to be careful not to make it like, well, we're changing because it was wrong. It wasn't wrong or bad. It's just different. Like I have a different approach. I have things that I want to attack differently. I have different emphases um that are important to me. That's so doing that is kind of it's a, it's a little bit of a delicate a dance because You know respecting the past if you're a new coach coming in from the outside you have no connection to the past unless you maybe you're an alumni or something but most of the time you don't have that so you're just like hey here's a new program here's how we're going to do things and i don't care if i hurt someone's feelings because there's no relationship there i i'm very cognizant of that and respectful of that and so um i feel that it's it's setting the standard and and you know uh, you know, we, we gave out the team manual, which was something that we had never really done before. And seeing the way that the team has embraced the ideas, the concepts, the language, um, the, the standards has, I mean, superseded any expectation I might have had. Like, I don't even think I realized being here for 13 years that not having that was, was missing until we had it. And then it's like, here it is, Mm. here's the book, here's the, here's, as as Sue called it, she said, it's your relic. You have your relic. Like, this is your, this is your history making document that you hand over and you, oh my gosh, like, I remember the first people to read it. So I, I, I had it all, you know, it took me some time to kind of get all of my, my worlds. But when I really sat down and put, it was 30 years of my career in paper form. All of the teachers, the mentors, the coaches, my parents, they were, my dad was quoted in the, in the manual. Like, you know, it just, the things that have created me as I am today are, it's a, it's a mashup of all those, of all those experiences. And I put it in this, you know, this document and I remember sending it to Mia and to Vic and I hit send. And I mean, literally like waterworks. It was, it was a very, um, kind of an out of body experience because It's like here it is. What are they going to think? You know, like I believed in it. It was my heart was all over it. Is all over that book, all over that manual. Like again, it almost makes me emotional talking about it. It was like so like cathartic in a way. I didn't even know I needed. I didn't even know I needed that, but it was. And I sent it to them, and then it was like sit back and kind of go, oh god, like what's the response going to be? And it was, you know separately obviously me and i have much more history and she literally her her quote was oh my god stacy like this has your heart all over it you know vic was just you know impressed but different like we don't have that history and then so that's the first layer and then it's giving it to the team like reading through it going through it and all of what i stand for what's important to me what the non-negotiables are like we don't have rules we have non-negotiables because to me that's just a nicer way of saying it right like rules rules sound so like or we're running a jail, not a softball team. It's like, no, these are these are the non-negotiables. This is where the line is drawn. So, yeah. going through that process of, you know, instilling my my um, instilling me really instilling me into that position and 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 taking over, but also retaining the respect and, and the admiration and the, and and all that for for what's gotten us to this point. Um, has been really important to me and I think I think we're walking it we're walking the line really really nicely and, and I really like where we're headed.
1: Um, My question is can we publish this book like can we do like mass production here are we able to get this in Barnes and Noble like what's the situation because so many people would <laughs> oh, love this.
0: <laughs> well yeah I actually have had a couple of people ask for it it's funny because I hadn't really thought about that to me it just was like this is just our team, our team right. manual, right? Our team guide. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It's, it's, it's funny. Someone else asked me that. And I was like, hmm, do I really want to share it? I, but, but at the same time, I think I would have appreciated before I was a head coach, part of the issue was I didn't quite even know how to put it together on paper. Mm. So I had like notes and notebooks and little, little things on my phone that I had taken over the years and swirling thoughts and Um, you know, my, my mental image that I had for my, this last summer was that I felt like I was in a jungle and I had a big old machete and I was just like hacking, like just trying to get through to find some daylight. (laughs) Like I didn't know which way I was going. Like it just, you take over this job, you get this, this title and then it's like, okay, now here you go. Here's all, here's all the, here's all the things you have to deal with. And so I was just hacking away. And I knew that this manual was something important to me, but I just, I didn't have like a, I don't know, I didn't have a vision for how it was going to come together. And so it was funny because Vic came on and she shared with us um, Bear Malone's book version of some parts of her book from UCF. And it just kind of allowed me to see, okay, a a structure. And it's not even structured like that, but it just gave me kind of that visual. And then I sat down and it was like, I felt like I was a writer that got rid of my writer's block. Boom. I just sat down and I was pulling in all these different you know thoughts concepts beliefs standards and then it just came out and the next thing i know is you know 10 pages long and i was like wow this is it and then i tinkered with you know all the kind of the the graphics of it to make it look cool and all that but um that process like i would say for any assistant coach that wants to be a head coach is like you gotta have that like you have to know what you stand for and you're and and like i said i don't it wasn't that i i felt like our players didn't know what maybe coach Van White stood for but it wasn't on like it wasn't um tangible it wasn't something you could hold on to carry around in your pocket like it and now that the players are just like I love it I love it we have this this you know we go back to it we can refer to it and I hope it's something they have forever you know that they they'll you know they'll be using you know newbie when they're old and, and gray and you know talking to their own families and, and maybe coaches someday too so um, but yeah, that, that, that process was an emotional, you know, surprising way, um, but also beautiful. And um, I think it just sets the tone for this, this, tra- this change and transition that we're in.
1: I guarantee they'll be using newbieisms later on in life. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring this, like, to their office <laughs> and their first job they get, you know, post-softball, like, for this reason. But the other thing that I love about what you're saying is this actually, in a funny way, reminds me of when I had Lauren Lappin on the show. And she was talking about taking over the Bandits after you had been coaching the Bandits. She was saying some similar things in the sense that it's like, you respect everything that was done before you, and you take all the best pieces of that. But also, you, her job isn't to be the best Stacey Newman, right? She needs to be the best Lauren Lappin, the same way that you need to be the best mm-hmm. Stacey Newman now, not the best Van Wyke. And I loved Caitlin Loeb said that when she took over from Mike Andrea. She's like, I'm not going to be right. just trying to be him all the time. I'm going to be the best me taking the things that I learned from him, of course, but like right. that it's a disservice to try to be somebody else. And so that, that seems no, like the no. only way to tackle it is the way that you're doing it.
0: And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, I think you've seen some coaches that have maybe tried to take that approach and until they find their voice, their own voice and their own, um, style and get comfortable in that, it's, it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be successful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I I think I'm excited. I'm so excited to see you guys in 2022. I'm excited to see softball in general in 2022, honestly, because the last two years have been wild in so many ways. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll just be even crazier. Like now, now nothing's off the table, honestly.
0: You better knock on some wood right now. We don't need any more crazy. We've done enough crazy the last like two years, 18 months. Like let's be done with that.
1: I agree with you. And I actually literally did just knock on wood. So
0: (laughs) good, just for the
1: record. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh well I I would talk to you for hours and honestly I, I've said that to people before and I've always meant it but truly this has been one of the the most fun engaging conversations I think we've had on the show and it's one of my favorites so I, I really appreciate yeah. it and uh as yeah of course as we wrap up I'm gonna play a little game with you that I play with everyone who comes on the show. And you said you've listened to a couple episodes, so this shouldn't be a, a
0: shocker. I think I see this coming. Yeah. I see where you're going with this. Okay.
1: <laughs> so yes, as a refresher, it's called Safer Out. So I'll just bring up some topics. And if you like it or agree with it, you call it safe. If not, you call it out. So cool. we'll jump in. All right. So first one is All right. double elimination at the NCAA postseason tournament. Safer Out.
0: I'm going to say out. Okay. This is so funny because this is like, so my husband was a college football player. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he is like, he's a, he's a coach at heart. He was a high school teacher and a football coach. And then he went back to law school. So he has, he's our first date. He was drawing up like football plays. Okay. So he is totally a huge sounding board for me. Whatever. One of his number one things is he's like softball needs to go single elimination. like march madness just like may madness like one and done right like that would level the playing field you can't the way our the way our setup is right now it's it's designed for the top teams it it makes the Cinderella story nearly impossible so i am totally out let's go single let's make it seriously like cutthroat boom you win you go on you lose you go home that would be amazing
1: I think this is super interesting, and if I'm honest with you, I did my research and I saw you tweet this, so I already knew what your answer was going to be.
0: <laughs> cheater, you cheater! Uh,
1: no, I'm a cheater, but I think it's so interesting. Like, I hadn't thought of that explicitly, but, like, you're right. It does make, like, the JMU's of the world, well, later if they have to play Oklahoma again, right, like, it makes it really hard. So I think it's super interesting. So that's yeah. why I had to lead off with that one. <laughs> Good one. Okay, Good one. all right, so that's the first one. Second one is... Coaches calling pitches instead of catchers. Safer out.
0: I'm gonna say out with the caveat okay. of it's gotta be a catcher, number one, that has the capacity. And I it well, and this is a debate Kathy and I always had. Kathy is oh. a pitcher, you know. Well the pitcher calls the game, and I'm like, well, you know, yes and no. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a collective effort. Right? right. I hope that the pitcher would calls me off when they don't like the call, but I do think it's nice for the catcher to be kind of, if you get in sync, then you take a little bit of that off the pitcher, the pressure off. Now I hope they're still thinking and like, nah, eh, that's not a good call. They're not just robotic. Um, right. But the problem, here's the problem. Young catchers aren't learning that skill. Young catchers and travel ball coaches. You have high school coaches calling the pitches. I mean, Vic and I had this conversation about AU a little bit. These are professionals who many have not ever really done that on a consistent basis. Then they get to AU or the professional, or they get to the Olympic level of the above. And they're like, "Mm," like they haven't had that, the failure of, okay, why did you call that pitch that made no sense? Let's talk about it. Like the educational piece, they didn't get that. So it's, it's like it self perpetuates. They don't do it when they're young. Then they get to college, they don't do it in college and they get to pro, they don't do it, they get to a, they just don't know how to do it. So I would 100% love to go back to a time when catchers were calling the games. I think there's a feel, if you have someone that can get that feel, there's, it's unlike what a, a coach can get from the dugout. The problem is I just, it's, it's got to start at an earlier age so that there, there's some, there's some experience.
1: Right. It's really like a systemic thing, like that, that permeates through everything else. I agree with you. I, it's a lost art and I'm sad about it, you know, because I think yeah, cat, the catcher, to your point, can see way more being literally behind home plate with the batter right there than a coach can. But to your, it's like also yeah. sometimes they're like, well, they're not capable, but it's like, they're not capable because. We've never given them a chance or taught them, right? So, like, let's think about this right. situation. So, I had a feeling that as I'm asking a catcher, yeah. that I would get someone who agrees with me. So, maybe that was also a selfish question because I knew you would agree with me.
0: I'm a quick, a quick story. So, right after I graduated from UCLA, I spoke at the NFCA convention. So, I was young and dumb, <laughs> and I got up there and someone asked me a question. So, i I'll never forget. I'm I'm on the stage and I look down, and like Patty Gasso's in the front row, and like Karen Weekly's over here, and like it's all the you know, these big time coaches. And someone asked me about this basically the same question, and I was like, just smack talk. I was like, oh, I think it's ridiculous that college coaches call pitches, and I think all the catchers should be doing it. And I they're looking at me like, you pipsqueak, you don't even know what you're you know, like, you have no idea, you know, like I and looking back at it, I'm like, wow, that was very, very bold of me to be so. <laughs> black and white you know um again bottom line is i would love for that to happen but it's just it's it's not always it's not always possible
1: yeah no i get you it's like we want it to happen but there there are a lot more steps to making it happen than just magically one day just letting them do it (laughs) totally fair okay couple outs all right so the last one is bat flips safer out
0: out out yeah man I'm just like three strikes you're out <laughs> uh I what I yeah what I don't this I think comes back to you know the way I was raised in the game was like you just didn't do those things like that's just it wasn't how you played the game and I think there's been a cultural shift in all of sports right like you know this you know oh look at me I'm on this and I'm Superman and that's just the way that young people grew up watching athletes behave that's mm-hmm. not what we saw right I didn't see that so and frankly, if I ever thought of bat flipping, Sue Enquist would have been in my grill, like shutting that down immediately. Like that was, my parents would have been, my mother would have been mortified. Oh my God, what are you, you know, that's just not how you act. Like you just do your job. And you know, like I remember in, in high school basketball, like there was players would like, you know, heckle me. And I would just, hey, just check out the scoreboard. Like, I'm not gonna get in your game. I'm not gonna, you're not gonna rattle me. I'm just gonna play my game. I, I'm i not shooting, running down the court, you know, holding my hand up. And it's just not, that's not who I am. So bat flips are not my jam and they're, they're fun. I get it. But it's not, that's not for me.
1: I get it. I asked Claire Sua the same question. Um, Cause she was my assistant coach for a couple of years when I was at Stanford. So, and okay. she was the same thing. She was like, when I was at UCLA, like maybe I'd fist pump at most. That was like big time yeah. for me. If I'm like fist pump around the bases, yeah. she's like, that's it you know yeah putting
0: your hands up or something like that was that was enough celebration but the whole like you know flip the crazy bat flips yeah I I I get it I don't like hate on the people that do it it's just yeah I don't yeah I don't I don't really appreciate that so much as like the showboatmanship. like that's just not the kind of player I ever was
1: yeah isn't it funny how like back then it's like we like hated these people in our heads but we would never bat flip and nowadays everyone's friends but then they're like bat flipping on each other (laughs) When did this happen?
0: That's true. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, we were, we, I hated them, but I respected the game. I, but that's, that, that's the way I look at it, is it's like respecting the game. Like,
1: yeah.
0: that's just not how you treat your opponent, no matter how much you hate them. Like, that's just, that's respecting the game, playing it the right way, um, right. you know, again. And I don't think it's always, like, intentional, this, like, I'm disrespecting the game as I'm throwing my bat in the air. Totally. Um, but to an old school, you know, at heart, like I am, that feels it crosses the line a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. That's kind of more how I tend to be also. I'm, I'm with you there. All right. Well, three outs, I guess we got catcher Stacy. you know, hitting Stacy <laughs> yeah, was, <sorry. laughs> was on a break. This is catching Stacy <laughs> for us. Just throwing runners out, whatever. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again. Like I said, this truly was like one of the most fun times I've had doing the show. So I really appreciate it. And uh, I know earlier you were like, I'm having technical difficulties. You're never going to want me on the show again. I can assure you now that that's not true. <laughs> well,
0: I appreciate that. And hopefully if, if, if the future of that ever does come up that, that we will not have the uh, the tech problems that we went through early in the early going here.
1: We will. not And even if we do, I don't care. Worth it. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for having me. I really, I enjoyed it as well. It was a good time. Yeah, of
1: course. I'm not kidding when I say that this is one of my favorite conversations on this show. She keeps it real. She's thoughtful and insightful. And she has a damn good sense of humor <laughs> too. So that's a recipe for success, if you ask me. And I think it's obvious why she's had so much success in her life. And I can't wait to see all the wonderful things she's going to do as a new head coach at San Diego State. Now with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about letting joy in. Man, it is so hard to do that sometimes. Why is it so hard? We just get so caught up in the grind. And we think we're supposed to do that. We think we're supposed to be tunnel vision, that that's the only way to be successful. And that being successful is the only way to be happy. And then when we're in that process, we're really quick to point out the negative, And we don't pay enough attention to the positive. Or we're just too plain serious the whole time, right? Like Stacy talked about how hard it's been to let joy in with her silver medal from the Beijing Olympics. And just with life after the Olympics as an athlete in general, she had to find joy and take it in elsewhere, like in motherhood and coaching. And it's still not always the same. Alicia Ocasio was cut from the pro team, right? And then won another pro league in the same day. But she chose the joy of Athletes Unlimited, on that day. And a lot of the women in AU have talked about how AU just brought a smile back to their face. They can be themselves. They enjoy the game again. AU created an environment for that, but these women also had to let that joy in. That's what made it work too. And then you look at Kat. After two decades of one of the best playing careers that's ever existed, no exaggeration, She has also said that in many ways, this last chapter is when she's enjoyed herself the most. You know, she said she's learned that from some of her younger USA teammates, from all the new friends or the deepened friendships she's made in Athletes Unlimited. She's somebody who has bought into the process and the hard work her entire life, and she figured out that she had to buy into joy too. Allowing ourselves to feel joy does not make us weak or unfocused. In fact, it it actually makes us stronger and it often reinvigorates us to be even more focused. The more joy you let in, the more joy you have. Crazy concept, right? (laughs) That's how it works. And when someone's on their deathbed, like they're never going to say, man, I wish I had less joy in my life, right? That's never how it happens. It's always about enjoying life more and everything that goes with that. There's a reason for that. And we can learn from that. So that's it. Let Joy in. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you listen, including Believe.com. And you can also watch the videos on YouTube. Subscribe, rate, write a review, and share with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B L E A V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at Genibacera01 and Instagram at Genibacera as well. As always, thank you for tuning in. Catch you soon.